We live in, a, in an hour where we can make a difference. The people on that day showed us something. President Bush was right. We were born to sacrifice. We were born to do something larger than ourselves for someone else, greater than ourselves. And somewhere along the line, as I was preparing this message, Lord, crying out, what do you want me to say on this day, in this hour, in this town? What do you want me to tell them? And the message was clear. Come to me. I will give you rest. I died for you. I made this nation great, and I will make it rise again. The spirit that was on that day for the people rushing in when everyone was rushing out, that's the kind of sacrifice that built this country, and that's where we're going again. We are compassionate. We are kind. And we will make a difference. It's interesting, on the day, in the days that followed 9-11, talk show hosts shut down. In fact, there was, a, there was a moment in time where the comedian said, is it okay to laugh again? Congress was singing songs and everything was unified and it was, a, it was a moment that you wonder, could we ever experience again? I say yes. But not the way it's been done before because America's pulpits have to change first. It's not a right thing or a left thing. It is a right thing versus a wrong thing. Let that marinate. It is not a right thing or a left thing. It is a right thing or a wrong thing. George Barna had a quote a year after 9-11. Here's his quote. He says, he's a surveyor, he he does research, Uh, following statistics, he said, I was among those who fully expected to see an intense spiritual reaction to the terrorist attacks. The fact that we saw no lasting impact from the most significant act of war against our country on our own soil says something about the spiritual complacency of the American public. Something is dramatically wrong with America, and something is incredibly right with America. Here's what's right. We have the freedom to worship Jesus Christ. Here's what's wrong. We don't take a stand for him. And instead of pointing fingers at Congress, and it's your fault, and Mr. President, your fault, can we just be real? We've all denigrated the office of our politicians. That needs to shut down. You respect the office. You stand against the policies that do not reflect the heart of Jesus. Hello? The core of this message is about duty, honor, and sacrifice. In the next three weeks, the series is entitled Life at the Core. It's about getting to the core. If you look at the the earth's core, if you look at the earth, it has three layers. It has the earth's crust, it has the mantle, and of course it has the, the inner and the outer core, the inner core. And as I looked at it, what a beautiful picture of what I believe God Uh, gives to us in our sphere of influence. There is the world that we live in, our environment around us, America, the world, uh, that God has designed us to have influence as Christ followers, to have influence with outsiders. And then there's the, the mantle, which I believe is a microcosm of the church, and that is how we influence each other inside the church. And then there's the single 
greatest component of the core, and that is the family. The family is the smallest unit of the church. And in the next three weeks, I want to get to the core value of not only what life church should be, but what I believe America should be. And I believe that the first place that the road to recovery starts, instead of pointing fingers at everything else, let's look inward. How about I point the finger at me and say, what can I do? What can I, where's my duty? Where's my honor? Where's my sacrifice? And you know what? The people in the pulpits have to get it right first. I believe, as I've talked to Pastor Arnie, I see this more and more. I'm 39 years old. And I rarely hear a hard-hitting message outside of people over my age. Hit it where it hurts. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say some very poignant things today. And it may tick some of you off. But I know Jesus offended people too, so I can too. But understand the offense that I'm about to share is not because I am mad at you. It's because I love you. Because I know that the truth of the word of God sets people free. Can I get an amen? So America's values is what I want to hit on. Duty, honor, sacrifice. The name of today's message. Here's the thing I see. In Isaiah 520 it says, Woe to those... Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. People who call evil good and good evil. Three questions today. Okay, the first, how do we take America back for Christ again? The geopolitical environment that we live in, the world that we live in right now, how many of you would agree that it's pretty heated? You guys are pretty silent today. It's pretty heated. I mean, it really is. And as we look at it, uh, I'm going to tell you, straight up, that the values I stand for are conservative values. (gasps) But I'll tell you, it disgusts me listening to talk radio denigrating our president, President Obama. I didn't vote for him, but he's my president. We don't, we do not belittle the offices that the people stand in. The rhetoric in this country should end. That type of garbage should end. But I will say, we stand against the evil agendas that take life. For instance, the same person that might get upset that Osama bin Laden was killed, that everyone's rejoicing, is also the same person that claps when an abortion bill is passed. Evil, good, good, evil. Where have we lost it? And I believe part of it is, is that the, the pulpits today, especially my generation, we want to be liked by everybody. We don't want, we want to compromise everything. And here's the thing. If you tolerate everything, you stand for nothing. I would rather be disliked by my generation and take a stand. But here's the deal. This generation wants truth. They want you to live out what you believe. They don't like the phonies. I told my wife today, I said, the spirit of Arnie has come upon me today. (laughs) If you know me, I'm a grace guy. I'm a 15 chance guy. My my philosophy in life is to love you up. We can agree to disagree. We can agree, disagree on every political issue and everything. But here's the thing that I've learned. I'm going to check me and what's wrong with me first. 
while I'm disagreeing. We can agree to disagree and be disagreeable while we're disagreeing. But when it comes to evil, we need to call evil evil, not evil good. So I'm just getting lubed up this morning. Just getting started. Duty, honor, sacrifice. There was a, a fella in the Old Testament. His name was Nehemiah. And he faced similar circumstances. The spiritual condition of the day he was dissatisfied with. He had favor with his government. He had favor with the king. And in that environment, he had his critics. He was charged to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. You can read this in the book of Nehemiah. He had a plan, but he had a a cause that was larger than himself. He wept for Jerusalem. How many of you are weeping today? from what you just saw. But you know what grieves me even more? Is the 10 years following that, our, our spiritual and moral condition hasn't changed. I take that personally. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to chuck the journalism career and stand up here and make a difference, whatever that may be. God gave me a loud mouth, I'll use it. I got a lot of amens out of that. <laughs> But Nehemiah had a cause. He cared for people, cared enough that he was willing to take the bullets. So he's standing on the wall and he has his critics. If you stand for Christ, you will have your critics. But I think something's been lost in America today about how we disagree and how we take stands. I have no right to complain about the spiritual moral condition of our politicians when I'm the one who elected them. Instead of blaming the politicians, maybe I need to look inward and go, Kibby, maybe that's a reflection of where we're at. Hello? We put them in office. Republican or Democrat, there's corruption on both sides. Hello? Now you say, Ryan, you're going political on this message. No, I'm not. You'll, you'll see where I'm going. It is a right thing versus a wrong thing. And what I saw in those heroes charging in to go up and rescue people, they weren't worried about agendas. They weren't worried about what the, the prevailing winds of public opinion thought. They saw somebody who needed something, and they went and sacrificed their lives to get it done. That's the type of resolve that America was built on. And by the way, it was built as a Christian nation. If you go to Iran, you would call it a blank nation. What would you call it? A Muslim nation. If you go to China, what would you call it? A communist nation? So why is it when we go to America and we call it a free nation, no one wants to call it what it really was and really should be and really is? What are we? I'm sorry? Can we really say that? Hello, (laughs) you know, and the thing is, if you look at who we are, we have apologized. Oh, no, no, we can't be a Christian nation. No, 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 because everybody's welcome here. The reason that the marketplace of ideas is tolerated is because we are a Christian nation, because we do care for people who don't always agree. In other countries, if you disagree, you're beheaded. It's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. It's not a right versus left. It is a right versus wrong. And what I'm trying to tell you today, I'm trying to get to the core of what's wrong so that we can extract what's wrong so we can do what's right. And so this is where I'm going with this. So Nehemiah has his critics. He realizes that he's got 
a limited amount of time before Israel's enemies are coming at him. And, and he had his enemies, his voice vultures. So we pick it up in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. And his number one critic was a Samaritan by the name of Sanballat. So we pick it up there. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. Let me stop right there. Christians, when we start doing something instead of showing up and playing in church and thank you, Jesus, and go home and fight with our wives, when we get beyond that and start operating in the the spiritual condition, the, 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 the sacrifice that he desires for each of us to make for someone else, when we start doing that, our cities will change. Here's something I've learned 10 years ago when I was on my way to when 9-11 happened. I had just come back to God, just come back to God. And I was on my way to actual Bible study, a little promotion for life groups, by the way, okay? I was on my way and I saw the tax and I thought, my gosh, I remember, I remember going there and, I, and I, I was probably the youngest guy in the room. Everyone was over the age of like 70 and I was like 29. And, but I was hungry. I was hungry for the truth and, and, I, and I wanted to go to the Bible study to learn. But as I went in there and I watched those events, it was almost surreal. And I thought, Lord, bring them all to the pulpits. Bring them all to church. And, and we prayed and we prayed. And the next week, the pulpits were up 25% across the country. Two weeks later, it was back to normal. Why, Lord? Why? What, the question I ask is, why are, if it's really working, if we're, what are we doing? What are we doing? If we're just showing up to play church and, you know, uh, we've, we're designed to build walls. Can I get an amen? We need, to, we need to rethink the way we do church. We need to rethink the way we do our politics. We need to rethink things. And here's the deal. And unapologetically, I'm going to say this. You have to take a stand for Jesus. Amen. Not Allah. Not Confucius. His name is Jesus. See, the, the fire of the pulpits in the 1800s and the great revivals, people were caught up by Jesus, not by some flawed preacher. And this one is the chief of flaws. It was caught up by the fact that there was revival coming because people bought into the simple thing that we are a Christian nation and Jesus is Lord of it. And it's Jesus who should be exalted here. Not some mystical God or higher power. Jesus, Jesus Christ, was the foundation of America. And I thank the Lord for the opportunity and the privilege to get up here and, 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 and even preach in his name. There's people across in, in China right now that, that, that there's underground churches. I mean, they're fighting for their lives to even say the name. We have such freedom here. Doing our duty will invite the critics. Sanballat was uh, Nehemiah's enemy. And here's, what he, here's the voice filters when he says, he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Severian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews, what does this bunch of poor, feeble, life church, depeer people think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices of praise and come to church at 10 o'clock and hello? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that. Isn't Pastor Ryan just getting on a soapbox and we'll all forget it the five seconds we walk out the door? Or we would make a difference. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. America's walls need to be rebuilt, but our culture makes fun of Christians. And I, and I find this to be true. 
Uh, we've tolerated so much that, as I said, we tolerate everything. We stand for nothing. We're embarrassed to even bring our... Well, Pastor Ryan might take a stand today against gay marriage. Love the homosexual. Homosexuals are welcome here. I want them here. I want people who are living together in this three-little word. It's called sin. I want them here. I want them at my church so I can love on them. They need love. And I love them enough to tell them that they need love and they need to be here. But I'm not going to preach a message to coddle to their lifestyle. Because we've called good evil and evil good. The protection of the unborn. We get up in arms over <laughs> what's going on and, 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 and yet... I think, who has the rights of the unborn, the, the, the 50 million that have been the Holocaust? Think of that. Think of that. When we're in our political arguments with people and talk show hosts and, and, and think about this. Who's standing up for them? If the pulpits don't do it, who will? If we tolerate everything, we stand for Nothing. And if my one goal today, if it goes to the podcast, if I'm going to get labeled, I'm going to go down being a Jesus freak who loves people radically, but who will speak the truth in love and will do it because he wants to sincerely affect life change in the people both inside the church and outside the church. And you know what? Sometimes being a hero means you have to take the bullets. You have to rush in when everyone else is rushing out. Be a hero in your world. Jesus will open doors for opportunity. When, there's a window of opportunity here in the next month we will have just from today, just like we did 10 years ago. And I don't want it to be as it always was. Let's learn something from the duty and the honor and the sacrifice of those courageous firemen. Here's what Nehemiah says to his critics, and I call this dirty, hairy prayers. Nehemiah 4, verse 4, Then I prayed, Hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. What I love about Nehemiah here is, why I call it a dirty, hairy prayer, Remember Clint Eastwood and he said, go ahead, make my day. And he would, he would say, well, punk, do you feel lucky, punk? And he'd have this gun just, you know, staring at him right here. <laughs> Ask yourself this question and go ahead, make my day. The point being is that he took on justice. There's nothing wrong. Folks, let me say this. There's nothing wrong for standing up for those who don't, can't speak. The unborn. There's nothing wrong with standing for God's truth and justice outside the walls. You can clap me and amen me in here, but what about out there? Now let's be, can we be real? What are we doing outside here? Well, Ryan, that may offend people. Guess what? It will. Jesus offended half the people he came into contact with. I want to get you a larger vision of how America was formed. It was formed on Jesus Christ. It was formed on freedom. It was formed on tolerating people where they're at, loving them where they're at. But what's happened is we flipped it now, and the Christians are now the minority, apologizing for the very freedom that Jesus gave us. 
We call evil good and good evil. Make my day prayers. It is okay to cry out to God. That's where you need to take it. When you're feeling persecuted and your boss is upsetting you and or you take a stand for your Christian beliefs, you say, you know what? I love you, but I could not disagree more. Two things are going to happen. One, your critics are going to get upset. Number two, they'll respect you because you have the guts to stand up there for what you believe. They won't tell you that. Ask me how I know. We have to be willing to take a stand. Here's some of the dirty, hairy prayers that I just wanted to throw at you. Being honest before God is an okay thing. What I do is, Lord, give them grace, give them grace, give them grace, and I'll pray for people who persecute us, who pray for people who, who uh, I'll even tell you. Now, be honest. How many of you in here actually prayed for the salvation of Osama bin Laden? How many? Raise your hand. Not one person in here prayed for the salvation of Osama bin who, who? You did. Well, one or two, okay? I prayed a lot of dirty, prayer, pray, dirty, hairy prayers. Lord, wipe him out, blot him off the face of the planet. <laughs> now, you're not wrong for praying for the salvation of someone, okay? That's good. That's good. But it is okay. Why do we apologize for asking for justice? Here's a couple of translations. I just got to give you this one. Here's what David did. David was a man after God's own heart. I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. Psalm 69, 25. Let's put it out. First one, burn down their houses. <laughs> Psalm 83, 13. My God, I've had it with them. Blow them away. <laughs> Psalm 35, 1. Harass these hecklers, God. Punch these bullies in the nose. <laughs> Psalm 58, 6. God, smash their teeth to bits. And my personal favorite, let them dissolve into snail slime. <laughs> and you say, well, Ryan, this is a, an Old Testament thing. Where's the grace in that? Let me give you the Apostle Paul, who is the person who penned most of the New Testament. Listen to what he says in Galatians 5.12. And he's talking about these circumcision agitators who basically were saying you had to get circumcised to get saved and what he's saying is, no, it's only by faith. Here's what he says to these. He says, why don't these agitators, obsessed as they are about circumcision, go all the way and castrate themselves? <laughs> Make my day. Now, some of you are saying, can I pray that for my boss? <laughs> no, grace, 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 grace. Pray, listen, we, we have uh, evil agendas. I don't fight people. I fight the flesh and blood, the spiritual demonic forces that create these evil, sinister agendas. You pray that the Lord intercede in that. Pray for the people. Pray for your president. And let me just tell you, it's an equal opportunity problem. Uh, when, uh, and as I mentioned, I'm conservative. When President Bush was office, I heard nothing but and awful evil atrocities. Now that President Obama is in office, people on my side of the aisle say the exact same thing, and it's awful the way they do it. It is okay to go and say, God, my government is addicted to spending. Lord Jesus, it's awful. Lord, uh, we, we have to do something. Lord, our, our, our government on both sides of the aisle, they're out of control. Lord, well, don't castrate them, but <laughs> intercede. Are you guys understanding we got to go to God with our passion on this? Pray dirty, hairy prayers to intercede and move. Are you getting the spirit of what I'm trying to say? 
Okay. That's the key. We have to be honest about God and say, this will not stand. Dirty, hairy prayers. <laughs> but really, I mean, the assault that is on the church, here, here's what I see. I see, here's what I see. You, you come to church, you hear somebody like me kind of ranting and raving, and then you turn on another podcast and some other preacher saying, yeah, you know, those guys that kind of go off on those tangents, they're really doing a harm to the body of Christ because, you know, well, they're not loving people and so they won't want to come into church because you're not being kind and nice. Uh, and so we're going to grow a big, huge church and make everyone feel perfectly wonderful all the time with their $5 Starbucks coffee, maybe 10 soon with the way we're spending, $10 coffee in church and we're going to love them up and, and, and never challenge them with anything and we'll never stand for anything. And I have no interest to build a church for Jesus that's a mile wide and an inch deep. Because guess what? We've done that and been there uh, in America and where is it getting us? Sometimes we have to be, in our personal lives, a voice crying out in the wilderness. Now, I, I realize that I'm a, if you come here long enough, you'll realize I don't preach this hard. I don't spank people to this degree. In fact, I've got friends of mine that say, oh, Ryan, when you think you're spanking them, you're really not spanking them. You're just, you know, that's your perception. But it is a voice that we have to use. We use it in... We can use it in the voting book, but again, I challenge us. If we don't like what's going on, then let's change. But instead of blaming all the politicians, let's look at ourselves. Are you understanding that the road to recovery begins with me and you? That's where it starts. And I, I do want to have a sidebar here about our firefighters did not die that day so that we could spend the ridiculous amounts of money that we're spending here and putting your children, their grandchildren, and their unborn children into that kind of debt. There's a three-letter word for that. It's called sin. And it has to stop. If you ran your budget that way, and I ran my budget that way, and we ran this church this way, this church wouldn't exist. We can't we have to change everything. The lessons of 9-11, I'm not leveraging the fact that, it's a, that it was a disastrous day. I'm leveraging the fact that nothing has really changed in 10 years unless we change first. What has changed is our freedoms have changed. Some of the, the th our way of life's changed, but the spiritual pulse of the country has not changed. In fact, I would say, some of you are right, that it's gotten worse. But you know what? I don't want to be a voice that's saying it got worse. I want to agree with what President Bush said and said, we're kind compassionate people who will sacrifice and run in when no one's running in. And I look at the heroes of that day. A guy by the name of Frank Demartini, as I watched the documentary this week, Frank Demartini and, and Pablo Ortiz, rescuers on the 88th floor, they literally, they were Port Authority workers and they went up into close to the blast zone. They went from the 88th floor all the way up to the blast zone of the North Tower. And at the end of the day, saved 77 people. Not only did they save 77 people, but the children out of that that had families that were saved, people that went on to marry, countless, one degree difference, one little difference 
One decision. Think of that. Think of the multiplication of that. When they could have gone back and said, you know, I've gotten a few people out. Maybe I should, maybe I should just call it quits and head back down. It took a long time to get back down those stairs. He got a lot, they got a lot of people out of that building. And I think to this day, I ask myself this honest question. If I were in Frank Martini's and Pablo Ortiz's shoes, would I have done what they did? When impossible odds, facing fire everywhere, would I have done? It's a question. But as the Lord kind of flipped it on me, he said, that's great, Ryan, but what will you do for the spiritual condition of the people that you influence. And instead of apologizing from the pulpit for our influence, are you going to use it for my glory? Not your glory, my glory. People want authentic Christianity. Pastors that are willing to say, I mess up every day. And this one does. But I'd like to think that today, if I was faced with that choice, you know why I know I'd go in that burning building? I've got four, I've got five good reasons. My wife and my four children. Because I realized that what they did that day was create a legacy for the people they saved. Do you realize it's a parallel of the church today? There's a house burning right now. It's called America and the towers are going down. And we have a choice. We can engage the fight or we can let people perish. Outside influence begins with inside change inside of us. And we have a duty to honor God publicly. I'm going to say that. We do. And, and more so, not pansy-wansy Christianity. We have an honor and an obligation, if we are Christians, to honor the name of Jesus. And I figured out why people don't. Because I only have to look at myself. When I'm selfish and I'm looking at my sin and I'm looking at my, my issues and I'm looking and it's all about me, 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 I don't have time to worry about you. But if the building's burning and I'm in the fight, am I worried about my job, my health care, my social security, or am I worried more about the cause and getting that person who's about to die out? Are you seeing this? In your time of need, God will be there. Be the need for someone else. pretty thick in here. I'm closing. What did we learn from 9-11? We learned that heroes, heroes, we learned that heroes will rise. Todd Beamer, an amazing story on flight 93. Famous last words, let's roll. Took out terrorists. He didn't pray for their salvation. He took them out. Maybe he did, but he fought evil. How many of you want to fight evil? Let's fight it within first. Let's fight it within ourselves first. I, I say this a lot. If you come to Life Church, we'll love you for free, but it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your time, your talents, and your resources, your financial treasure, all that stuff. I'm not a gold digger. It's not about me. It's not about building a big building. It's not about building. It's about building a kingdom and saving the ones that are perishing. (laughs) 
And I think of my four little girls. What if I had the courage to do what Todd Beamer did? Let's roll. Let's leave a legacy. One degree difference. One degree difference. You say, uh, duty, honor, sacrifice, what can I do? Some of it is what you need to do as a Christ follower. But the second thing is, one little thing can change your environment. I had one person, Jim Otten, listen to me for six months, vomit my issues, and I came back to God because of it. Perhaps one of you can serve uh, in the nursery. Another one can serve... uh, Whatever, in any place, in any way, not just Life Church, but the world that we live in, the city that we live in. We need to care for our cities. But do something, and it can be one degree difference. At 211 degrees, water is hot. At 212, it boils. And that energy that is created from that steam can power a locomotive. We need to be that steam train. We need to boil. So with heads bowed, eyes closed. I ask you this question. What are you willing to do? One small thing, one measure of difference, one small thing that you haven't done before that is outside of yourself to help the rescue, help rescue the perishing. Father, I, I, I gave them my best today. I ask that you deposit that word into their hearts. Lord, I ask that you heal our country. Lord, I grow weary, honestly, of all of the vitriolic rhetoric. Help our nation heal. Let them come back to Jesus again. It is only through Jesus Christ that we are able to love people where they are at. Help us to not tolerate evil, sinister agendas, but call it out for what it is. And love people through it. Lord, help me to deal with my own personal sin. Help me to deal with, help me to get rid of it. Give me the power and the courage to make wholesale changes on the job, at my house, in my sphere of influence. And Lord, help me to do what you're asking me to do. It could be one small thing, but one small thing build a wall for Nehemiah in 52 days. What can we do? Help us to not listen to the voice vultures of our day that would say that we're crazy. Help us to understand that when it comes to serving Jesus, like your early church in the book of Acts, that we are going to face persecution. But I also see that that church grew like wildfire. Help us to be authentic about our issues and our problems and our sin, not only to ourselves but to others. Help us to be transparent and help us to affect change in Green Bay Wisconsin. I ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.